faith and that we can live this new life. Lord, we pray for the grace. We pray for the power and the ability to take in what your word teaches us about the grace of fasting, Lord. Help us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So guys, we are carrying on in a series that we've been doing called, What Would Jesus Say? And it could properly also be titled, you know, What Did Jesus Say? Because we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to read about what Jesus has said about these topics. So we started with prayer, and now we're going to move on to something that is closely tied with prayer and worship, and that is fasting. Many times throughout scripture, we see that people not only prayed, but they magnified their prayers through petitions and fasting to show their earnestness, their diligence, that Lord, we really, really want you. We want your way. We want your will. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So if you guys can turn with me to our two, well, the first main scripture, we're going to read Luke chapter five, verse 27 through 39 which we may have on the screen, and we do, great. And I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. And if you guys want to read with me, you can. Luke 5:27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. Yes, we're talking about fasting, but they're talking about feasting right here. In a great house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. In those days, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. Amen. So guys, you've probably read that many, many times. And when I was given the scripture by, by Pastor Ron as like the main scripture that we were going to talk about and build off of, I thought it was pretty, pretty funny that the first part was talking about feasting. And by learning about feasting, we were going to learn about fasting. So everybody say it with me. Fasting is feasting. Okay. So guys, whenever, one of the principles I want us to take away from this today is that when we are fasting from something, we are by default holding fast to something else. So we're not just letting go of one thing, we are grabbing on to another thing. Okay, now there's three points that we're going to cover today, and we'll give them to you right, right up front. Point number one is following Jesus 
precedes fasting for Jesus. I'm going to say it again so you can write it down. Following Jesus precedes fasting for Jesus. Number two, fasting is for humbling, not grumbling. Fasting is for humbling, not grumbling. And number three, fasting speeds up God's mission in us and through us. Fasting speeds up God's mission in us and through us. All right, so let's unpack this and see where we find this in Scripture. So you can go back, you can read it, you can meditate on it, and it can be sustenance for your soul. Okay, so point number one, following Jesus precedes fasting for Jesus. There is a presupposition in a, in a, a group of people as big as, as this right here that if we're talking about fasting, then everybody has already begun to follow Jesus. But as we know, that is not always the case in any room. So this message is for everybody. If you were here today and you have not chosen to follow Jesus, this message is for you. And we're going to talk about why, because this passage talks to you as well. So, number one, Jesus gave Levi an invitation as we get to the beginning of the scripture, to follow him, not to fast for him. Okay, The reason Jesus did that is because Jesus is starting a new thing. What the Pharisees were accused of were taking all of these rules and these obligations and throwing them on people and telling them, if you do this, you will be righteous and God will be pleased with you. But as we know, nobody has ever done that. We have all failed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, and that is why Jesus came. So this was not an invitation into the disciplines of the faith that Jesus was giving Levi or Matthew. This was an invitation into relationship. And I know there's some of us here, whether we consider ourselves uh, believers, unbelievers, Christians, or some other religious faith, that we still have this mentality in our hearts and in our minds that if we do certain things, that God will love us more and that they will make us right with God. And that is just not the case at all. That is why Jesus came to invite us into that relationship. And then he breaks it down from there. Before we fast, we must leave everything and follow. Okay, there, there's a, a biblical word that we, that we use when we're in church settings but we don't use it in the real world outside of this building, and it's called repentance. So before we fast, we have to follow Jesus. We have to repent of our sins, and we have to see him as he is. We have to come into relationship with God. We have to understand that fasting is not going to wash away our sins, that only the blood of Jesus Christ can and will wash away our sins. And what a joy, because that salvation comes through faith. And it's not by works, so that no one can boast. Nobody can walk around like the Pharisees, who were also trying to make disciples at that time, and say that, I fast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. I tithe every little bit that I get from every plant that is growing in my little garden outside my window in the city of Chicago. I give a portion of that. That does not make you right, okay? My personal testimony with somebody, for myself, I grew up 
going to church. I was in the South, the Bible Belt, and everybody grows up, for the most part, going to church. It's changed a little bit in the recent generations, but for the most part, everybody at least has a church culture. They know what is right. They've heard the gospel. They may not understand it or have repented of their sins and followed Jesus, but you at least know what is right and what is wrong. So I grew up going to church every Sunday from as long as I can remember, tithing every Sunday on everything that I got. But I did not start a relationship or follow Jesus until I was 25 years old. Can you believe that? How is that even possible that I could miss it after being in the church all that time? It was because I still thought that doing these things would make me right with Jesus. So, Jesus is saying to Levi, before you fast, because as you read in the scripture, there is a time when you will fast. It will happen, and it'll be a joy, and it'll be a feast to you. But before you do that, you need to feast on the joy of salvation before you can fast and not become self-righteous. So the invitation for you today, and we'll ask again at the end of the service, is to come follow Jesus. Rise up. Leave it all behind. Quit trying to fill yourself with all of these things, including religious duties, to fulfill your heart's greatest desire, and that is to be loved unconditionally and to be right and standing with God. So Luke 5, 27, 28 says, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And then as we skip down to verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've called to come sinners to repentance. So once again, I'll hammer it again. The first step of being able to fast and it being a joy to us is to release your life to Jesus because it will not be a joy if you don't do that but it will be the greatest joy that you've ever had if you do that and I'm I'm telling you this as a man who has failed over and over and over when it comes to fasting but you know what that's why I didn't want to get up here and preach this message I'm like Rollin I stink at fasting you know how many times I have failed at this I have tried and I inevitably end up eating something uh, this, even this morning, like, you know what, I'm just not going to eat anything until it's time to preach. But then it's like my blood sugar start getting like, okay, I'll eat a granola bar so I can speak correctly. So I have failed at this over and over, but I want to tell you some good news. This is a nugget. This is not one of the three points, but it's a nugget. When you attempt in Jesus too fast, if you've already given your life to him, and you fail, you still succeed. Why? Because the purpose of fasting is to make you humble. And so when you fail at it, it achieves its purpose as making you humble. So the scripture says that though a righteous man falls seven times, what does he do? He or she gets back up. You try again. This is the process of sanctification. This is the practice for heaven. This is God getting us ready. It's okay to fail in the kingdom when you're failing forward into the arms of Jesus. Amen? So I want you to be encouraged to not shy away from these means of grace that God has for us, such as fasting. All right, so though Jesus was well acquainted with fasting, 
he chose not to put this on Levi, Matthew, or any of his disciples at this time. Do you guys remember in Luke chapter 4? I don't, do we have that scripture, guys? Luke chapter 4? If not, I can just read it. It's okay. So Luke chapter 4, Jesus set us an example for fasting, even though he didn't lay that yoke at the beginning on those that were coming to follow him. It says, verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, because he had already been baptized and the Holy Spirit came down on him, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. So Jesus, though, he was well acquainted with this means of grace. And I got to believe, guys, that none of those Pharisees that were saying that they were self-righteous because they fast on Mondays and Thursdays had ever fasted for 40 days straight. Maybe they had. I don't know. But Jesus always sets the ultimate example for us in everything. But then Scripture tells us, That a bruised reed, he does not break. A smoldering wick, he will not quench. He meets us where we are. If you were able to fast a meal, he's say, great, just do it unto me. I'm so happy. If you want to fast a day, great, just do it unto me. I'm so happy. If you want to fast a week and get crazy with it, well, more power to you from the Holy Spirit. Great, if you're doing it unto Jesus. He's happy. It's whatever grace he has released to you for this time. So the point is that I don't want anybody here, as we're going this Friday, into this corporate fast to think that this is a religious duty. It is not. This is a grace from God to get closer to him and to see his purposes speed up in us and through us as it humbles us. So Matthew 12, 19 through 21 That's where we just took that scripture. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. So he wasn't crying in the loud, I'm fasting 40 days, you guys do it too. No, he wasn't doing that. And a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. So there will be a day when he's coming back. And then he will be the Jesus that we read about in Revelation where he's doing away with sin and all the things that cause sin in the earth. Okay, so that was point one. Following Jesus precedes fasting for Jesus. So this is your invitation to come and meet the Savior, the one who washes away our sins. But once you've done that and you want to go deeper with Jesus, fasting is for the purpose of humbling us, not causing us to grumble. So when I was thinking about this message and how to get this out of the Word and out of my heart, I feel like the Lord gave me just a mental picture, and I'm going to share it with you. There was, there was a boat. It was just a little sailboat. It was on a big ocean, and it was just floating there. The sails were not up. The sails were down. Okay? So it wasn't going anywhere. The sail got put up, and then it was able to catch the winds in whatever direction they were getting. So the winds were there, but the boat was not moving until it put the sail up. Okay. So when we fast, what we were doing, kind of in the Spirit, is even though the Holy Spirit has been there right around us all the time, 
we are now putting ourselves up kind of like a white flag, surrendering and saying, I'm not fighting anymore. Whatever you want to do, God, just do it. I'm going to go wherever you want to go. And how do we know that? Well, Matthew 4, 1, again, Jesus was led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this opens up a whole other box, guys, when it comes to spiritual warfare, when you're humbling yourself, your cell is up, the winds are blowing, the wind of the Holy Spirit, but there's other winds out there too, guys. And that's why you need to know Jesus. You need to know his ways. You need to know the word. You need to know his voice. And he promises that his sheep hear his voice and he is happy, happy to bring you into the flock and teach you his voice. But you've got to use what he's already given us to help us begin to discern his voice. And that is his word. So I encourage you as you're going into this fasting season to get into the word to dig down, to meditate on it, as Joshua 1 says, that when you meditate on the Word of God day and night, then good success will come to you. And you will not be able to be swayed back and forth, this is James now, back and forth by every uh, wind of the sea that tosses you. But you're going to know what's the Holy Spirit and what's not. And you need to remain in community as well. You actually need to press in to community in times of fasting so that you can have others speak into your life and encourage you. And that's why we're doing corporate fast. Even though there is a place for a private fast, but what we're doing on Friday is a corporate fast. Okay, so the Pharisees were at a fast, at a feast, excuse me, if we go back and we uh, read uh, uh, Luke. The setting here is the Pharisees were at a fast, and instead of being humbled through fasting, they grumbled at the disciples because they themselves were fasting rather than feasting. So what can we take for this? There is a time for fasting and there is a time for feasting. If we are with Jesus and there is a feast and a party being thrown, what should we be doing? Come on. Feasting. That's right. What kind of like audacity and nerve would it be to be in the presence of God who's throwing a party and be like, I ain't participating in that. Nope. I don't agree with this. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're throwing this feast. And guys, that's like, Let's, that's like the definition of hell. It's just rejecting the feast of the Lamb on that day when he comes back and heaven is set in. It's just rejecting to, to feast and continue to be self-righteous and, and pious in your own things and what you think are good. So guys, when he says feast, we want to feast. But when he's fasting, we want to fast as well. Okay, so attitude matters for a fast or a feast to be pleasing to God. The feast of the Pharisees caused them, excuse me, the fast of the Pharisees in the scripture caused them to despise God and his love and compassion for the lost. While Jesus' fast in the desert launched him in his ministry to the lost sheep of Israel. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's funny. They were talking to the disciples, but Jesus answered. (laughs) And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So guys, when we're fasting, instead of grumbling, what should happen is it actually should deepen the burden of God in our hearts that doesn't lead us to grumbling, but humbles us to go and to serve, that humbles us to wash feet, that causes us to take our reputation and how important it is to us, especially in a city like Chicago, 
where there's always people to impress. Every, I work in real estate, and it's all about networking. Like, people wear the right clothes, they drive the right car, they know the right people. But when we are truly fasting unto God, it will humble us to a place where we are just willing to let our reputation go and wash the feet of those around us and not worry about who we're seen with as long as we're there for God's purposes. So we throw it out. But the same fast that was meant to deepen their conviction actually caused them to despise Jesus and his love for the lost. And that is where we do not want to be. That's why it's so important that following Jesus, being born again, precedes fasting for Jesus. Because that's the only way you can get there. Because you cannot, as the scripture was saying, you cannot take new wine and put it into old wineskins. Why? Because the wine begins to ferment, it begins to grow and expand. And guess what happens to that old container that it was put in? It busts, it cracks, it explodes. The container is then broken, worse off than it was before. And then the wine is wasted. It was of no good. It is spilled. The very purpose to which it was intended is no longer it is able to uh, contain. And the same thing in the parable where he says that you don't take a piece of a new garment and attach it to an old garment. Why? Because garments shrink when you wash them. What happens when you wash a new garment? It shrinks, right? And if you've got it sewed and attached to this garment that's already pre-shrunk, it's just going to rip it, and they're both going to be wasted again. So there's no point doing these religious duties until you have a relationship with Jesus, and that's the only way to avoid self-righteousness. Um, so everyone knew the Pharisees fast twice a week on Monday and Thursday, and it was not done in secret. It was done in superiority and self-righteousness. Sorry, I just got lost. Superiority and self-righteousness. But this is how we should fast. And that is the good news, not just about fasting, but about every means of grace, a way to receive grace that God gives us. He kind of gives us some protocol so we don't have to be lost out there on how to do it. And so if we go to Matthew 6, 16 through 18, this is Jesus teaching how to fast. And he says, and when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. So not only were the Pharisees grumbling, but they, it wasn't like they were like, oh, this is so hard, I'm in my closet, nobody sees me. But they were out in public trying to do their religious duties, but not giving glory to God because they're saying serving God is difficult and it's hard and it's not joyful and not bringing glory to God. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, this is for us, guys, but when you fast, anoint your head, put some gel in your hair or some product, and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, because the goal is not for others to say how, how you know, godly you are, but the goal is that your heavenly Father, who sees what is in secret, will see you and reward you. And what will he reward you with? He will reward you with more of him. He will reward you with that very thing that you've been petitioning, which is for his glory, because we always have to be petitioning unto that. Everything is beautiful and acceptable in its time. Fasting can either humble us to be used by God or harden us to sink us into self-righteousness. As we see here, God desires mercy, not sacrifice, and was drawn to the humble 
and contrite heart that was exalting him. So if you guys can put up Luke 18, if you have it, 9 through 14. And you guys can read with me. This is Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And here's the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. So they were both praying. It's good to, we were talking about praying last week. So they were both praying. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, just like the previous story we were in, right? The tax collector went to follow Jesus and throw the feast, and the Pharisee was telling everybody they had to do it this way and despising them. The Pharisee, standing by himself, isolated, set apart, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this guy, this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So one of the ways that we humble ourselves is through this means of grace called fasting. And when we do that, God is so pleased to come down and to wash feet and to lift us up. You guys remember when Jesus tried to wash Peter's feet at the Last Supper? You know, Peter was like, No! (laughs) You are not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to have mercy on you. You don't really know what you're saying. But he just told you the truth. If you do not let me wash your feet, you can have nothing to do with me. And then Peter, because he had a soft heart, even though he's a little impetuous, he had a soft heart. He was like, all right, just give me a full shower then. Wash my hair, wash my face, just do it all. And she's like, you don't need to have all that done. You just need to have your feet, your feet washed because the word I've spoken to you, because you believed it by faith, was implied there, has made you clean. So guys... We don't have to go fasting for like weeks and months at a time, a.k.a. Jesus washing our whole bodies when we've already, you know, come to him by faith. We just need to let him do these things when he wants to. And that brings us to the point like this coming Friday on September 7th, if you're already following Jesus and you're a part of Second City Church, we invite you, it is an invitation to go deeper into what Jesus is doing here at Second City Church and to do a corporate fast with us. There are many times where there were corporate fasts in the Old Testament and the New Testament where people got together, not in secret, but together. They weren't grumbling uh, or any of those other things the Scripture talks about, but as one people unified, saying, God, we believe you want to do this among us in our midst. We are humbling ourselves, not just individually, but as one body, as one person, And scripture, many places, talks about how unity attracts our Heavenly Father because He loves it when we are at peace with Him and with one another. He just loves to pour out His blessing and His favor on the things that we choose to do that for. So number three, fasting speeds up God's mission in us and through us. Fasting speeds up God's mission in us and through us. Fasting breaks chains in our lives 
and in the lives of those around us. And this is not some super mystical, uh, ultra-spiritual, that you can't understand thing. It's just that when we humble ourselves, God is pleased to break in in power because he's like, yes, you need me. You're not saying you've got it all together. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do something for you now. And I want to take us to Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. And I encourage all of you to go read that entire chapter on your own time. Eat it. Meditate on it. And let God really show you what true fasting is. But we're just going to read verses 6 through 9. Is not this the fast that I choose? So now we listen up. What is the fast that God chooses? Above and beyond just not eating food for a day. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall crawl, cry, and he will say, here I am. What God is looking for is not the outer fasting like we keep talking about, just the not eating the, the food, the not going on Facebook, the not whatever we choose uh, to fast from. He's actually looking for what Paul was talking about in Galatians 2.20, where Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is true fasting, the crucified daily life. Like Paul said, I take up my cross daily, right? And Jesus told us, like, we have to take up our cross daily in order to follow him. That is true, ongoing fasting from the things in the world that are keeping us from Jesus. So now you may be asking, besides Friday, <laughs> or how did you come up with Friday for a corporate fast? How do we know in the kingdom of God where there's the joy of salvation, there's chains being broken, there's a lot to party about? How do we know when we fast? So theologians like to use, use this term to describe the, the kingdom of God because we know that Jesus is coming back according to scripture. And we know he's bringing his kingdom with him. And we know every tear that you are now crying will be wiped away in that day. There will be no hungry. There will be no brokenness. Everybody will be healed. It will be what our hearts cry for in terms of perfection. So how do we know when it's time to fast? Because if he's not here yet, but that is coming, that means I just want to fast all the time <laughs> because I miss you. I want the kingdom now. <clears throat> but we have to Keep in mind that it's, it's there, but it's not here yet. But Jesus said to pray, as we learned last week, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So guys, there are what I, I like to call, this is just Cole's term, this is not a biblical term. There are pockets of glory, like little pockets of heaven, where God just breaks in in a way that is not normal because the kingdom is not fully here yet. 
but he does some amazing things among us. I know people that have been healed physically of things that were not able to be healed in that amount of time, like instantaneous healings, uh, etc. And so what do we do when that stuff happens? We feast and praise God when he breaks in among us. So we have to humble ourselves and have the ability to have our sail up on the seas of God and let him blow us by his spirit when it's time to feast and celebrate and give him glory and when it's time to fast and give him glory to say we're just flesh and blood. Have your way, help us. So guys, that, that is our prayer that we would be able to do both as a body. We'd be able to feast and we would be able to fast. So Jesus said that we would fast. There would be a time coming when we go back to the first scripture. He said, da, da, da. okay, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come, okay, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Okay. So those days are now. I want to give you a New Testament example of fasting post the ascension of Jesus. After he walked around, after resurrecting from the dead, showing God has put a stamp of approval on my life as an acceptable sacrifice for you. So your sins are washed away if you believe it. And now I'm going to the right hand of God where I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign. But I'm going to come back one day. So how do we know that it's okay to fast? Why shouldn't we just be uh, feasting until he comes back? Well, Acts 13 is a great example of that, and especially when we fast corporately. So if you guys have Acts 13, 1 through 3. So this is an example of fasting as a church and fasting unto the purposes of God. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of, Ni- of Cyrene, um, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so as a corporate fast, it would be great if we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and fasting is a form of worship, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So what we see, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So fasting and praying was a form of worship. And when God was being worshipped through fasting and praying, which is humbling ourselves, right? Before him, the sails went up, the Holy Spirit spoke, and now people were set apart unto the mission that God had for the church. And then they laid hands on them and commissioned them and sent them out with authority to go do the very things of preaching the gospel, baptizing people, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus had commanded until he returns. So we believe that God is going to use specifically Second City Church as a launching pad to see the gospel go all through the city, all through the earth, and it's going to be a place where people come in, they get equipped, to follow, they get to know Jesus, number one. They get equipped to, to work with him, and then they get sent out. But how do we know that we're not doing this in our own flesh and our own strength and just because we think it's a good idea? It's through praying and fasting and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. 
And God always confirms everything by the testimony of two to three witnesses. So my plea to you, my family here at Second City Church is, don't go all willy-nilly on us and just go do your own thing because you want to do it. (laughs) Or you think it's just a good idea. Please, humble yourself before God. See what the Holy Spirit would say to you. And then talk talk to us as well. Because we want what God wants for you. And if he confirms it by the testimony of two to three witnesses, like we see here, you are going to go out wherever he's called you with so much confidence that God really did call you. And you're not going to get out there six weeks later and be like, oh, I misheard. This is too hard. I'm coming back. No, no, no. Please take advantage of what God has given you, the grace that is received through fasting. If the worship team could come up. And while they're coming up, I'm going to give you some some application, okay? It's pen time or typing time. Application number one, unashamedly, we invite you to come and start a relationship with Jesus today. So I want everybody to close their eyes, and we're going to give an opportunity for people to take that first step because this is not about fasting. This is about having a relationship. Yeah. So, Father God, we pray right now that nothing would stop you from moving on the hearts of those that are sitting here right now, in this very moment, that you knit together in their mother's womb before they ever knew it, because you had destined them to live with you forever. May the enemy have no power right now to remind them of their sins in a way that gives them despair. But may the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice for their sins, flood their heart and their mind right now. God, we pray that faith would arise right now to believe it and to receive it and to be born again once and for all. So right now with every, everybody minding their own business, if that is you, Just raise your hand so me and Pastor Ron can know and then we can talk to you and help you get started off on the right track and help you build up to a time of fasting. Great. Thank you. We see it. Now I'm going to pray for people that want to receive the grace to fast. (laughs) You haven't done it. But you're like, man, that sounds really good. I want to do it. I want to do it. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Father God, I pray for those that you are calling deeper. They've already surrendered to you, but now they want to know how to walk with you more closely. They want to begin to work with you. God, we ask that you would release the grace that only comes from you and it prevents the self-righteousness, Lord, to them to fast, Lord. And that you would silence the voice of the enemy that would say it's not worth even trying because you're just going to fail. That's not true. God can help you. Even if you do and you're humbled by it, it is success. So God, I pray that you release that grace to them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And then one last thing. There's a book called God's Chosen Fast. I think we have a picture of it. By Arthur Wallace. I think it was written in the 1940s. But many, many great men and women of God throughout the decades have read this book and have uh, just, just praised it for helping 
reveal God's will for us through fasting. So if you want to go deeper, we recommend that you pick that up. And now we're going to move into a time of, of worship.